That is why we are here. That's what our church is about. It is about the living hope that we have in Jesus. Man, if you are if you are new, that's what this is all about. Our our prayer for you today is simple. That you would just find the, the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose that we found in Jesus. He's got it for you today. Uh, my name is Brad, and I'm the pastor. If I didn't have a chance to uh, meet you, if you're new, I'd love to meet you after the service. Uh, Laura and I will be back by the front doors, and we'd love to just say hi. And uh, if we can be of any help to you in any way, uh, grab a Next Step card. It's a great way to get in contact with us. Those are in the chair backs or in the um, below the seats on the front row. Just fill one of those out at the end of the service. You can give that to a member of our prayer team. Whether it's a prayer request or... Man, you ready to get baptized? Anybody ready to get baptized? I hope somebody's ready to get baptized. We've been baptizing like crazy recently, and I'd love to do some more baptisms. That's my favorite thing. Uh, so if you want to get baptized, we'll work that out for you as well. So we're in a series right now called The Table. It's a, it's a relationship series because um, the table is a gathering place for relationships, uh, whether it's in our home, our workplace, at school, uh, coffee shops, uh, restaurants. We gather around these tables and so we've been looking at these stories from the Old Testament of men and women who gathered around tables and, and how they did relationship together. And then we're contrasting that with Jesus who gathered with some people around tables, ate with them, and then seeing how he did all of that. So we're going to be doing that for the, for the next few weeks. So if you have a Bible, we're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9. And uh, if you don't have one, I just encourage you to download version. It's a great version of the Bible. And 2 Samuel's in the, in the Old Testament. I read out of the New Living Translation. Now, let me, um, let me help you just real quick here. Just uh, all eyes, all ears here for just a second. Um, what I'm going to be talking about today is honestly uh, an incredibly difficult subject. It's a hard subject. And so... It's probably you, but if it's not, it's somebody around you that has dealt with some pain and some hurt and some wounds in their life. They've been wounded by someone. Today, I'm going to be talking about forgiveness. And so what I'm going to ask of you, um, and honestly, it should, I would encourage you every Sunday to do this. I'm going to ask you not to move while I'm preaching. Like If you need to go to the bathroom, you're like, oh, dang it. I did. I, oh, wow. I'm feeling it right now. I'm doing the pee-pee dance. Hello. Uh, go now. Like, say, excuse me, go now. We're all going to know what you're doing, but that's okay. If you need to go, go now. Because this is what happens. What, I, what we cannot have happen to this morning is distractions. And what you may not realize or may not know is, is when, you, when you get up during a, the message while the word is being proclaimed, uh, all eyes and all attention go off of this to, to watch you walk all, all the way out and then to watch you walk all the way back in. And, and when you do that, you, I know you're trying to be as respectful as you can, as quiet as you can, don't see me, and you kind of do some of you do this. You're like, ladies in your heels. You're like, okay. It just makes it worse. <laughs> We're all watching you. But, but it, what happens is, what happens is that the attention goes off of the word. We never want the attention to go off of the word of God. We want this to be central and the focus and I'm telling you what's going to happen today. If you will press in, it's going to get heavy. It's going to get hard. But I, I, I want you just to push through, okay, to press through. Come on, tell somebody behind you, in front of you, you got to press through today. you got to press 
through today. Now, what I'm going to talk about is not something I read in a book. It's not something I Googled and found. What I'm going to be sharing with you today comes out of my own life. Some out of my own pain, out, out of my own wounds. And, and many of you know my story and you know my journey and you know how painful it has been. But praise God, he has walked me out. I have learned the art of forgiveness. And today I, I walk in freedom. The sun shines, my joy is back. And man, I don't hold that anymore. And that's what I want for you today. I want that desperately for all of you today. So let's get into it. 2 Samuel chapter 9. And this is kind of a follow-up after last week. Last week we talked about King Saul. Uh, For those of you that were not here, you can catch the podcast. But Saul was the first king of Israel. And David, who had killed Goliath, he had been anointed king. Saul was threatened by him, jealous of him. So he he wanted to uh, kill uh, David. And so he he hunted David down. But Jonathan, uh, his son... uh, intervene and save David's life. So now you fast forward a few years, and Saul and Jonathan have both died in a battle, and David now is king, and we're in chapter 9, in verse 1, and we pick up the story. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, I am. King said, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I'd like to show God's kindness to them. So Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive, but he's crippled in both feet. Well, where is he? Well, he's in in Lodabar. He's at the home of Machir, son of Amel. Now, David sent for him, and he brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. Bless you. Um, I practiced that for a week, saying that name, Mephibosheth. I think I got it down. He was Jonathan's son, and he was Saul's grandson. And when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth replied, I'm your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I I intend to show you kindness because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I'm going to give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you're going to eat right here at, at, at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully, and he exclaimed, Who is your servant? You should show such kindness to a a dead dog like me. I want to talk to you today about dogs at the table. Dogs at the table. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the word that you want to speak over us today. We need your your help right now. It's a heavy subject, Father, and a lot of people are going to have to work through some some difficult things, but I ask that you'd walk us out into the light today. If you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you today to just lean forward. Let him speak over you. Let him show you the way out of the darkness that you may find yourself in today. In Jesus' name, and if the church is ready, will you give me a big amen? Amen. All right, you can be seated. Is anybody here um, a dog lover? Like, you like dogs? Anybody? Dog lovers? All right, I got some dog lovers. Good. Uh, how many of you love dogs so much you actually allow the dog at the table and kind of feed him scraps every once in a while? Anybody like that? 
this is a good crowd. There was only like two people in first service that were like that. You are my people. All right. I, I love dogs. Laura and I have always had dogs. And last year, we got a new dog. Uh, his name is Otis. And Otis is a um, large dog. Uh, and he can't be at the table because he's a Great Dane. I mean, literally, when he walks up to the table, his head goes right over the table without even trying, okay? And when we, uh, like when we give him a drink when he gets his dog bowl, most dogs, they have this little tiny, cute little dog bowl on the ground. Not Otis. That's not how he drinks. This is how Otis gets a drink. Check this out. He drinks out of the bathroom sink, all right? He does this every night. Laura will give him a drink out of the bathroom sink. He loves it. He's a great dog. I mean, he is. He's one of the best dogs we've ever had. I love this dog. But there's one drawback to this dog. Uh, he slobbers. Uh, um, a lot. I mean, a lot. Like, I, I took this picture. Look at this picture of him, okay? Those are not fangs, okay? Those are not fangs. Yeah, Great Danes are notorious for, for slobbering. He slobbers so much that we have slobber towels strategically placed throughout our house, like five or six of them. Uh, and when company comes over, I get really, really nervous um, because he slobbers on them. And so I'll, be, I'll tell them, like, hey, he slobbers. And they'll do that thing. Have you ever been, like, you ever had a, one of your kid's parents? You ever had that, that kid that projectile vomited? You know what I'm talking about? Like, they didn't just spit up, but they were like, like that. And you were always nervous around people, you know, and they'd be like, oh, I've been spit up on before. And you're like, not like this. And then they take the baby, and then they're like, whoa, take him back, take him. You know what I'm talking about? That's Otis, all right? I mean, his slobber is everywhere. It's, it gets on the TV. It gets on the, the lamps. It gets on the light switches. It gets on the, the walls. I mean, when he shakes, it just goes, foom, foom. You can watch it. Look at the little birdie, kids. Foom, foom. The little birdie is cute till he poops on you. Yeah, that's Otis. Slobbers like crazy. So Mephibosheth makes an interesting comment here in 2 Samuel 9, verse 8. Mephibosheth says, he, it says this. He bowed respectfully to, to David, and he said this. Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a, say this with me, what? A dead dog like me. Now, what we have to understand is dogs in this culture way different than dogs in our culture. Like, we love them. They're pets. They're fun. But in this culture, they, they were pretty much ran wild. They were like coyotes, uh, and, and they were full of disease. Uh, they were dirty, and so they would have them nowhere near the table. So Mephibosheth here, he Saul's grandson, and he knows my, my grandpa is the guy that tried to kill you. And so as he comes to the table, that's, that's why he says, hey, why are you showing kindness to, to a dead dog like me? So let me ask you this question. Who's the, uh, who's, the, who's the dead dog? Who's the dead dog in your life? Like who's, who is the person that is not welcome at your table. Like if you, you were to sit down for a meal, you, you'd welcome a lot of people, but 
but not that person. I mean, because for many of you, if not most of you, you've been wounded. You've been, uh, you've been hurt. Maybe you suffered um, abuse, been lied about, or maybe, um, maybe somebody betrayed you. And it's a deep, deep wound. Maybe that was a, maybe it was a parent. Uh, maybe, it was, maybe it was a child. And for some of you, your, your, your kids are old enough, and maybe it was a, as a kid that did something. Or maybe it was a spouse that, and you thought that they, they loved you, and, and then that, that happened. Or maybe it's, it's a friend, or <laughs> maybe, frankly, it's just, just an old boss. And you're like, if that person showed up, there ain't, there ain't no way that they're sitting at my table. It's not going to happen. So what's interesting is as followers of Jesus, we're taught to forgive, are we not? And we hear about that all the time. Oh, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm supposed to forgive. But, man, I, I think forgiveness is one of the most difficult things to do in life. I mean, it, it is not easy at all. And I think one of the reasons for that is because I think there's a lot of misperceptions about forgiveness. And these misperceptions actually can do more damage and further damage to us in our lives. Like things like this. Well, uh, to forgive is to forget. You heard that one? You ever tried to forget what they did? You remember it right now, don't you? Like you're in it right now. You remember what they did. Those dogs are barking, aren't they? You look in, there's the slobber mark right there. That, there's the trigger. Oh, there's another one right there. And it immediately takes you right back to that moment. Yeah, good luck trying to, trying to forget. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, um, if you forgive them, you, you gotta let them back into your life, Okay. Some people would say, well, if, man, if I forgive them, I mean, it's letting them off the hook. I mean, after what they did, I mean, think about what they did. I, I can't, that's just letting them off the hook. And what happens is we have all these misperceptions about what forgiveness is, and because of that, and as followers of Jesus, it ends up doing more damage in our lives. It does further damage in our lives, and we sink deeper into this dark pit. And so what I want to do today is I want us to look at the story of David. So David, I think, shows us, you know, what forgiveness really means and, and what forgiveness really looks like. Let, let's go back to verse 6. Let's start there. Verse 6, it says, When Mephibosheth came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect, and David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth said, Well, I, I'm your servant. And David said, Hey, man, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come on, turn to somebody next to you and say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Mephibosheth had every reason to be afraid. All right? I mean, he's just, as he's coming here, he's freaking out. He's like, man, I know what my grandpa did to you. And so he's like crawling in like this dead dog. Like, oh my goodness. And, and David, in this moment, he, he, it's very common for kings in this, in this time period, very common for them to just kill their enemies. 
or to kill the threat. Now remember, this is what Saul wanted to do to David because he saw him as a threat, and Mephibosheth is the rightful heir to the throne and could rise up a rebellion against him. And so it will be very common for any king that feels a threat or sees an enemy to go, you know what, I'm going to kill you dead. And isn't it true that in, in our culture, it is just common practice to hurt those who hurt us? That's just common, common practice, man. I, I, they need to pay. They need to pay for what they did to me. Man, they, you know what? I mean, they need to hurt like I hurt. They need to feel it. Like, I ain't letting them off the hook. Not until they, they got to they gotta feel it and know what they did to me. And then, then maybe, and maybe I'll forgive. This is David. David, in it right here in this story, David, and he had every right to feel that way. Every right to feel that way because uh, Mephibosheth's grandpa, Saul, had hunted him down. He lost his home. He lost his family. He was living in caves. He was running for his life. There was a bounty on him. He was hunted like a dog. So as the king, he, he has every right and full authority to enact justice against Mephibosheth. He's like, man, I, he could do a lot of things to him and be, be in the right place to do it. He would have the justice to, uh, to banish him. He could banish him from the kingdom. He, he, could, he could throw him into a, a dungeon. He, he, could, he could have him killed. He could, he could just publicly humiliate him if he, if he wanted to. And this is what we do when, when, people, when people hurt us. We, we enact our own form of, of punishment, don't we, on them? And we don't kill them. I mean, we don't want to be an A&E special. I mean, but, you know. But, but some of you, some of you have been wounded so deeply and it hurts so bad that if that person died, that'd be a pretty good day. That would be a pretty good day. And we just enact our own punishment on them. We'll, we'll banish them from our table. You are not welcome here anymore. You're not welcome in this business. You're not welcome in my home. You're not welcome around my family. Some people, you ain't welcome in this church after all that you've done. And we banish people from us. Or, or we will publicly humiliate them. We'll find a way to rally people to our cause and one of the favorite things to do is to get on social media, isn't it? And talk about them. Ooh, that's good. A little more. No, backspace, backspace. Better word, better word. Post. Waiting on the likes, waiting on the likes. Bing, bing, bing. Yes, victory. Are the comments come in? I got them good. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's one for them. Delete. I mean, this, is, this is what we do. And, and David was in full right to do this. He could have banished him. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. And man, let's just be honest, man. There's, there's a sense of satisfaction in knowing that, that they're hurting. If you know that they got hurt, man, it just, can we just be real? It feels good. Like, it, it, you, oh, look at y'all looking at me like y'all self-righteous. Not me. No, not me, pastor. Come on. I mean, it just feels good. You're like, oh, I got some power over them. Boom, chakalaka. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you feeling it now, aren't you? 
Okay, let, let me just, let me help you with this a little bit. Like you get fired, and then you hear that your boss got fired. Oh, wow, too bad for you. <laughs> okay, now you're feeling, right? Or maybe, maybe your, um, your ex's new relationship crumbles around them. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> or you've got a friend that things just don't go well for them. And you're like, oh, man, it just feels good. Got some power over them. Can I tell you, that's a, that's a, that's a horrible way to live. The reason that's such a horrible way to live is because 100% of your happiness is dependent on their misery. 100% of your happiness is dependent on their misery. Come on, tell some people in front of you, behind you, don't depend on their misery. Come on, in front of you, behind you, to your side, say, don't depend on their misery. See, here's the thing about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like dropping a spoon in a garbage disposal. Have you ever, you ever, you ever turned on a garbage disposal not knowing a spoon's in there? You like turn it on, all of a sudden you're kick, 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 and you're like, gah, and you turn it off. You ever, ever sat down for breakfast <laughs> eating your cornflakes with a spoon that you didn't know was in the garbage disposal? As you pull it out of your mouth, it's like a cheese grater <laughs> ripping the flesh right off of the top lip. That's my life for the last 30 years with, with Laura. I mean, every spoon has been in the garbage disposal. Just throw it away. We don't need to put it in the drawer like it's a weapon. Just throw it away. I'm just having a personal moment here, okay? I'm just saying. This is what we do with people, is we take people that have wounded us, who have hurt us, who have betrayed us, lied about us, whatever it is they've done, and we just drop them right into that garbage disposal and we turn that bad boy on and we love that sound because it just plays in your mind and you're thinking about what they did and what you'd like to see happen to them and you're wondering about them are they paying i wonder if they're remorseful for what they've done and it's playing over and over and then all of a sudden it gets stuck. It gets stuck in your mind. And then you can't get rid of it. And, and then it, it begins to clog up the flow of everything in your life. See, I mean, it, it affects, unforgiveness affects every area of our lives, whether you realize it or not. We think that we can compartmentalize it. You know, this is my pain, this is my hurt, I'm going to store it over here. It doesn't work that way. It flows out into every relationship in your life. Like, you wonder, why is my marriage struggling so much? What is the problem? Why are we having these issues? And, and it's all because of something that happened to you years ago and a wound that you suffered and you brought it into the marriage relationship. Can we just... Listen, we're all adults here, and if you brought a kid in, I'm sorry, you should have probably put them in kids, so you might want to plug their ears for just a moment, but can I just tell you this in all transparency and all honesty that, listen, you may, listen, if you're a married couple and, and your sex life is all jacked up, 
Maybe it could be because of some pain and a struggle and something that happened to you before and you bring that in and you don't realize this is what's happening. This is why we're struggling here. Maybe it's, it's you know, you're parenting and you're just constantly on this kid and you're getting on your child. And like, Man, why do I always go off on them about them? Because of something that happened to you in the past and a struggle that you had and you bring it into the relationship and you're taking it out on your child and you don't even know it. Sometimes you're in the workplace and, and you can't keep a job because you can't get along with people and you can't get along with the boss and you're going job to job to job and you're mad at them. Well, they did this and they did this and they did this and you don't realize that, oh my goodness, what happened to me at this one job and the way the trust was broken with me. I brought it into this job and I don't trust anybody. I don't even know I'm doing it. And now I've lost this job. You, you can't compartmentalize it. it. It bleeds out into every area of your life. And here, here's the one thing. Listen, the, the one area that is affected the most is your own soul. That's the one thing that gets poisoned in this process of unforgiveness is you end up losing your own soul. So here's David. I mean, how did David do it? Man, how, how was he able to extend forgiveness after what happened to him? Let's look at verse 7. In verse 7, David says this, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. Now, bookmark that. We're going to come back to that here in just a moment. He says, I, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and, somebody say, and. And. You will eat here with me at the king's table. So this is David's moment for revenge. I can finally give revenge. And in this moment, instead of killing him, David invites him over for dinner. So hang on. So Brad, are, are you saying... Are you saying that I should... Invite this person here over for dinner? I'm after what they did? Maybe. Maybe not. Here's what I do know. Some of you have been wounded pretty deeply. And for this person to come and sit at your table would really, honestly, it would just wouldn't be, very, wouldn't be very healthy at all. In fact, honestly, for some of you, what you've dealt with in your life, if this person were to come and sit at your table, um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't, be, wouldn't be safe. So they, they may not be able to eat at your table, but, but what, what, about, what about God's table? Are you, are you okay with them being at a God's table? Jesus tells this beautiful story in, in Luke chapter 14, and it's a story of what is called the great banquet feast. Jesus tells this story, and, and it's a story about the kingdom of God. 
And, and it's about uh, him saying in the kingdom of God, we're having this great banquet feast. In other words, it's this picture of, of forgiveness and everybody coming together with Jesus in, in this idea of, of being in heaven and this great banquet feast before God and, and, and with God in our lives. And so Jesus says, go out and invite the guests. And, and they come back and they say, well, a lot of people don't want to come. <laughs> they want to come to your, eat at your table. And he's like, what? Go get everybody. Like, just go get everybody and then invite everyone and, and, and they can come and they can eat at this, this table. And, and I, I, think, I think we can see everyone eating at this table except for this one person. Like, I'm, I'm, okay, I'll give you this. Man, they can, they can, they can go to heaven, but they got to sit at the kid's table. All right, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I, I, okay, I'll make a concession. I'll make a concession. Um, I want them to pay. I want them to go through some hell. They don't have to stay there. I just want them to get some good blisters on them, especially on their backside. And then they can come and they can eat at the table. But what, what Jesus is, is, is saying here is he's saying everybody, everybody's welcome at the table. And what's interesting is Jesus is at a, He's at another dinner, and this time he's with Matthew, one of his followers, and he's just become a follower, and he invites all of his friends over, and his friends are not followers of Jesus. They're really bad people. They made a lot of mistakes, and they've hurt a lot of people. And here's Jesus, and he's sitting down at this table with them, and the religious leaders, they look at this dinner that's taking place and that Jesus is at this dinner. And listen to what the religious leaders say in Matthew 9, 11. Matthew writes this account of the dinner that was at his house. And the, the religious leaders say this. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? And we hear that and truth, we were like, man, yeah, why does he, I, I totally understand that. What's, man, I, I, man, I can't believe those Pharisees, those religious people, they're horrible people. But, the, but they, they were really speaking kind of truth. Because the people that were at the table were the dead dogs of their society. They were the tax collectors. Okay, I'm sure everybody's excited about tax day. Woohoo! yeah, IRS, IRS, yeah. Can I get an IRS chant going? No, I can't. But the IRS in that day, they were not good people, all right? What they would do, they, would, they were Jewish men who would steal from their own people and then give it to the Romans who were oppressing them and take a little bit for themselves. And this is the people sitting around the table, plus other people who had cheated people, who had lied about people, who had hurt people. These are wounded and people who have wounded people in their lives, all sitting here with Jesus. And so what Jesus is trying to get said by the story of the great banquet table and the story here with Matthew's table is this, everybody's welcome. Everybody is welcome at the table. So here's what I think forgiveness is. I want us to get a new picture of what forgiveness is. This is, this is what I think forgiveness is. Forgiveness says this. You know what? Um, they, may not, they, may not be able to, they may not be able to be at my, my table. Maybe they can, but they may not be able to be at my table. But man, I... Uh, I... Uh, I do want them to be at, at God's table. I, I, want, I, want, I, want, I want them to be forgiven. And maybe, maybe I can't be restored to them in this life, but I, but I want them to be rest, restored to Jesus. I, I want them to have their sins forgiven. And I, I, I don't want them to go to hell. 
I do want to, I want to see them in heaven. Go back to the beginning of verse 7. Those words that, John, that uh, David said. He says, I intend to show kindness to you. Say this with me. What? Because of my promise to your father. Remember last week I talked about this? Is David showed mercy because mercy had been shown to him. King Saul is going to kill David, but Jonathan, Saul's son, the rightful heir to the throne, steps in in that moment, and David is his best friend, and he saves David's life. He shows mercy to David, and David's like, man, I can show mercy because mercy has been shown to me. So there's only one thing I want you to write down today, so grab the message notes in front of you, and I'd like for you to write this down. I think this is what's going to help you the most, and I think this is the key to forgiveness, and I think this is what is really going to make the difference in your life. Because this is what has been the difference maker for me. This is how I have been able to forgive, and this is how I've been able to walk in freedom. Here, I write this down. I can show mercy because mercy has been shown to me. I can show mercy because mercy has been shown to me. So there was another meal. Uh, it was the, known as the Last Supper it was the last meal that Jesus would have with his friends, with his disciples, before he went to the cross. And that night, uh, they gathered for this meal, and uh, as it was the custom in that day, is there would be a servant that would wash everyone's feet because um, the roads weren't paved, they had terrible roads. You know, it was basically um, the Oklahoma uh, Turnpike Authority was running their road system back then. Um, so... You work for the Turnpike Authority, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, but they, they came in, there's dust on their feet, and so they would, the servant would clean their feet. And Jesus gets up from the table and he, and he takes a towel. And, and, he, and he gets down and he starts to wash the disciples' feet. So he, like he comes around to Peter and, and he starts to wash Peter's feet. And Peter, Peter's just goofy, man. He's just over the top. He's like, hey, if you're going to wash my feet, wash my whole body. And Jesus is like, dude, seriously, this is not a spa. I'm just doing your feet, dude, all right? Chill. So he, he washes Peter. I love Peter. He washes Peter's feet. Then he goes around. He washes John's feet. And, and then it, Bartholomew Mew, and, and, and Thaddeus. And, and he was working his way around the table. And then he comes to... Judas. And, and in this moment, he could have just went, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't think so, dude. No. Jesus could have walked right by and said, I'm not going to wash your feet because, man, I, like, just think about this for a moment. This is the guy who would betray Jesus. Like, Jesus in this moment is like, dude, seriously, I ain't washing your feet. Like, I, for, for three years, we were good friends. Like, you had a lousy life, and I called you out. I brought you in. I raised you up, man. I poured my life into you. We're supposed to be good friends. And this is, then you, you sell me out, and you betray me. Like, Jesus like, dude, man, they're going to they're gonna whip me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to nail me to the cross. I'm going to be killed because of you. But Jesus doesn't do that. No, Jesus gets down. And he washes the feet of the one guy that doesn't deserve it. Of the one guy that was betraying him. It's one of the ultimate acts of, of mercy found in all of scripture. See, the, the truth is, is that um, all of us are Judas. All of us are the dogs at the table. 
We, we, we've turned our back on God. We, we spit in his face. It wasn't Judas that put him on the cross. It was us that put him on the cross. It was, it was my sin and my rebellion. I'm the one who chose to walk away from God. I'm the one who chose to say, I don't need you, and spit in his face, and walk away, and do my own thing, and live a self-centered life, and not care about his creation, and hurt other people that he created in his image. I don't care about you, God. And yet, in all of that, Jesus gets down and he washes my feet. I, I, can, I can show mercy because mercy was shown to me. See, Jesus, when he, after he finished washing the disciples' feet, in uh, verse 14 of John 13, he said this, and since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, say this with me, you ought to wash each other's feet how do you do that? Like, this is what Jesus is saying. Like, I, I got to humble myself. And I got I to gotta show mercy because mercy has been shown to me. I, I, I gotta, I've got to die to myself. Like, I want them to pay. They need to pay for what they did. I, but but, but I, I got to take that spoon out of the garbage disposal. And I got to die to my own selfish desires because in my humanness and, and, and my selfish desires, man, I want them to pay. I want them to feel it. I want them to, I want them to be crushed by what happened. But, but when, I, when I think of Jesus, man, I think about I was sitting in that seat and he washed my feet with his own blood. Why would I not in turn do the same? I have a seat at God's table. I have a seat at God's table. I'm, I'm at the banquet table. I'm at the banquet table. God has forgiven me. He holds my sin not against me anymore. Praise be to God. His mercy was shed for me. I'm at the table with him. See, what, what forgiveness really is, is, man, it's just saying, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they can't be at my table, but, but man, I... I want to see him at I want to see him at God's table. I want to see him experience the mercy of God. I want to see him experience the forgiveness of God. I want them to get what I got. I, I don't want them to pay anymore. I want to see them set free. I want them to know their sins can be forgiven. I don't want them to go to hell. I want to see them in heaven and restored by God. I can show mercy. <clears throat> Because mercy has been shown to me.